Hello, welcome, hi, welcome back to the Keen on Things podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Keen. Of course, uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, if you're a first-time listener or a multiple-time listener, thank you, thank you. This is episode 14. Can you believe we've made it 14 episodes? Um, this is episode 14, A Dry Humor. A Dry Humor. Um, it's great to be here. I say that I say dry humor because I was in Vegas this past weekend. I was in Las Vegas, and they always say it's a dry heat. And I said it's a dry humor because mine humor is kind of dry, and I was doing humor while I was there. So uh, I put the two together and came up with that play on words and just a nice, fun opening, a nice, fun joke that uh, you can tell and retell um, to loved ones, you know, on a Sunday night. Um, recording this on a Sunday night to be aired tomorrow, Monday, so people uh, can ease into the week, whoever listens. You need those you need those softeners. Monday is so harsh, man. There's so much coming down on you, you know, because people stress out. And they're like, the one thing I can do to feel better is maybe shove some of this um, anger onto somebody else. And everybody feels it all the way down. So hopefully this podcast does the exact opposite. And you're like, wow, I thought my life was bad. This guy's got a podcast nobody listens to. I feel great. I'm going to have a listen. I was in Vegas doing a show with Steve Byrne, B-Y-R-N-E, and Gary Cannon uh, at Backstage Bar and Grill in downtown Las Vegas. Uh, thriving, re-thriving, making a comeback downtown Las Vegas. We're going to talk about that in a second. We've only got 30 minutes. It's going to go fast. Always does. Uh, so yeah, instead of dry heat, I said dry humor. Why am I going back to that? And it was a great gig. Um, we also had Ahmed Ahmed and Monterey Martinez, both alliteration. Well, Ahmed's the same name, same word twice, but Monterey Martinez, um, my first time meeting her and then my uh, first time working with both of them even though I've known Ahmed for years. And it was great. It was really fun uh, getting to know people, you know, on stage, off stage, all that stuff. Kate Quigley appeared for a pop-in set, and uh, we kind of did this live feed that that went on. Um, very interesting uh, process. Big Daddy Carlos and Ava put us up there. It was great. Um, rock and roll for the big kids is what the uh, place is. Uh, that's what his business card says. First, or was it Fremont Country Club? And uh, Backstage Barn Grill are two uh, two places where they broadcast from. And they're going to continue to do shows once a month there with different comics and broadcast it all over the world. It was a blast. It was a live stream. Their website, content, all that stuff. Hopefully it gets more viewers and it grows. Uh, I really have no idea how any of it works. I've already maxed out my knowledge of whatever, streaming. Any, any, any buzzwords? Like if I were doing a pitch meeting, I'd be out. I'd be like, I'm out of words. Hopefully you were convinced in that minute and a half to give us money or access to resources that we can do this. Um, and they'll keep doing good comics. That's the way to do it, man. So much of it is getting good comics who can bring their people, to, like a headliner, two to three people that that headliner likes to work with, make a weekend of it. Headliners are happier, more comfortable, and that's what it's about. Um, and hopefully it balances out the lineup, and you guys can tap into each other's fan bases and do all that kind of stuff. Cross-promotion, you know, in all businesses, the show was social distancing, um, so there weren't many people there, um, which Gary, you know, turned that into many jokes because that's what Gary Cannon does. Uh, but it was set up really beautifully, really professionally, like a Comedy Central or a Netflix taping of a special or Showtime or HBO or any of that. Um, should I just keep listing networks? But it was really well done by Big Daddy Carlos, man, and Ava taking care of us. Mad props. They used to be here in L.A. She's from Chicago, but they were in L.A. for years running Velvet Margarita, 
Mar- Velvet Margarita Ville? Velvet Margarita and Cantina. Okay. Which is an awesome place, which I'd been to several times. And now they're back in Vegas doing it. They're making downtown coming back. I didn't really know the difference between downtown and the strip, but downtown's where I'm going to go from now on when I go to Las Vegas for all my entertainment needs. Um, the legendary Brian Regan showed up. He lives there and got wind of it, so he came out and hung with us. Hanged? Hung. Uh, we all sang karaoke in the adjacent performance room afterwards. Very fun. Wasn't packed at all. Very safe. And uh, it was a really great night. And... I was excited. Brian Regan got to see me perform for a few minutes, which is interesting when you have like one of your comedy heroes see you perform. And uh, I've been twice now, once in Cleveland with Josh Sneed and then once with uh, Steve Byrne there in Vegas. And both time we talked sports. Um, Miami, he's from Florida, so like he's a fan of the Miami teams. We, we talk a little bit about that. He liked the er- early Hurricane teams. He didn't like it when they became, uh, uh, you know, a little more controversial, but uh, whatever. He's still a huge sports fan. Um, I'll tell you, man, Vegas, out on the boulevard, people are just walking around commando style. It's about, I'd say, 50-50 on masks. Maybe I'm being generous. I wore one, of course. I felt like I was doing something wrong. I was like, my square? Oh, my God. I, do, I need to fit in with you people. Uh, I'm told the city and hotels and casinos and such were at 30% capacity. That was the number. I didn't come up with that. That's just kind of the general consensus of people that live there, work in that industry, the casinos, and the cigarette smoking. It just blows my mind. Just unhealthy on top of unhealthy. Just unhealthy squared. Unhealthy cubed. Unhealthy to the fourth power. I just try to move through casinos. I always have since I was a kid. Going there for my brother's basketball tournaments, travel teams for Dennis. I just never had an interest uh, unless it was sports book. That's where I'll set up shop and you know, do a parlay, throw in five or 10 bucks, parlay it into 16 teams, uh, get two of the 16 right. So I don't see that money again, but uh, it's fun. It's a good way to make money or lose money rather while you've got a bad habit of watching. I saw the Wizard of Oz slot machine. Uh, I took a photo from my Aunt Pat and my cousin Kim. Uh, Kim loved the Wizard of Oz growing up as a little girl, and Pat loves Vegas, so it was a perfect storm. <laughs> Haven't heard back from either of them. Hopefully, they still want to be in the family. But uh, it was good to get out and drive to a show. Um, drive anywhere, right? I mean, I went to Napa last weekend, but it's just it was good to do this and perform. I don't know um, uh, if they're going to do more than one show from now on when they do that, but uh, Steve had a buddy who... Um, who had a little hosted us one night for a little party, which was great. Um, like ten of us barbecued. He put some uh, Worcestershire sauce in the meat, and then made unbelievable burgers. But um, anyway, it was a second weekend of a three weekend trilogy for me, uh, as I started in Napa, and then I went to Vegas, and then hit in Zona this week, Arizona with Steve and Ahmed at Copper Blues. Um, for uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday gigs. Steve Byrne is a beast. I don't know how he gets so much done. He's a Pittsburgh guy. He's Irish. He's Korean. His dad's Irish. His mom's from Korea. Uh, he doesn't dip into. He doesn't dip his toe into the Korean side much. He was raised very blue collar, uh, born in Jersey, and then moved to Pittsburgh as a kid. Hockey guy, you know stuff like that. Uh, had the TV show. Does the stand up, of course. Many specials. Produced a documentary recently about Amazing Jonathan. Produced a movie with Jimmy Yang and uh, Cedric the Entertainer called Opening Act, which is coming out this year. And he's really good with riffing and making fun of people. And Gary is the best opener MC in the biz. Uh, does crowd warm-up for several shows. You know, he did uh, Conan O'Brien 
which he still does. And then um, he did uh, Dr. Ken, and he did Sullivan and Son. Uh, he and Brody Stevens, man. And that's not to take away from them as club comics or you know performing in theaters. They just really know how. They're good joke writers, funny. Get the crowd going, get them prepped, and be um, personable, charismatic. And Brody has missed. Has, has he been mentioned in every podcast um, that I've done? Uh, Gary is a machine as well. Love them both. I was rusty as hell. This is for something, girls. Um, you ever not gone on a trip for a while? And uh, girls, Jesus. You ever not gone on a trip? Well, I was rusty with the packing. It took me so long to pack. Like, normally a comic, a road comic or a traveling comic is just, boom. You can, boy or girl, they're loading that stuff up in 30 minutes. And I took too much. I was there two nights. I took like four pairs of pants. I didn't have to, you know, I was so excited. I didn't have to fly, so I shouldn't have brought that much stuff. But uh, packing when you do it for a living, man, you're done really quick. When you're rusty, I, I, I went back to guy mode where I'm slow, you know, slow thinking, like guy mode, slow thinking, combined with girl mode where I wanted to bring everything. So it was like a perfect storm. Uh, it was only one suitcase, but for two nights, it was just way too much stuff. A lot of stuff didn't even reach, leave the... Um, Leave the bag. Huh? Phenomenal. So interesting. God, just raking in the listeners here. Uh, third of the way through the episode. I didn't swim. None of us did. Thank God. That's why we're still alive. That pool scene, although only at 30% capacity, uh, looked like a cesspool. It should have just, the cess, the word cess should have been put in front of the pool sign or on top of the pool word. Just the drooling virus licking its chops. Um, but it's one thing to go no mask. But to go to the pool, even at 30%, yikes, as if. Um, what I really loved when I was there was the uh, Mob Museum. Aside from the show and the experience and doing comedy in this room with um, limited people but very um, good production value, was the Mob Museum. It's downtown. <clears throat> it's downtown there. So it's very interesting. History of the Mafia. Um gangsters all over the country prohibition how alcohol ran through you know in and out of new york of course uh out of windsor canada through detroit to toledo to chicago down to the south and midwest there uh fascinating man just fascinating history of the mafia and i think from what i gathered at the at the museum the history of the mafia which first got its name in 1890 when supposedly an italian killed uh the chief of police david hennessy in new orleans in 1890 and um, 11 Italians were, were um, arrested, held in jail, taken to court. None of the 11 were found guilty, so there was questions of um, corruption there. But those all 11 men, Italian men, were murdered by an angry mob uh, that wasn't happy they were getting off. They're like, we must be getting the right guy. We'll kill all 11. Somebody's guilty, you know? Just, you know, that, that uh, white American aggression. Somebody's guilty. Um, I don't know how involved those 11 were, but they perished um, after... I don't know why they were still in jail after not being found guilty for some reason. I don't know. Maybe... Oh, maybe the case wasn't over yet, but uh, it wasn't looking good um, for the prosecutors. But it happened. Uh, and I think that's the origin of the of the mafia word. But uh, anyway, the museum is three, four, fl three floors. And like every other museum you've ever gone to, you purchase that ticket and the anxiety begins, right? You're on the clock. Will I cover enough? How long do I need to stay? What's my obligation? How much do I need to read? Um, the museum's thirty dollars. That's you know a nice amount. Twenty dollars after seven o'clock, but uh, you know you have that that 
obligatory feeling of I got to get my most from my money. I really should stay in here just to stay in here. Even though, you know, let's say you pay 30 bucks for two people to go to a movie. You're only there two hours, you know, think, think use that, use that reasoning. My last girlfriend and I did the World War II Museum in New Orleans after my buddy Chris and Alicia committed their lives to each other and uh, a couple years ago. And she was really good about going, you know, she and I went to the museum. We saw a few of the wings of the museum. And then finally she's like, we're out. Okay. You're not going to take in, you're not going to retain any more information because I would have stayed. I would have stayed. I, I would have done that World War II thing all day. But uh, you, you know that feeling. That might be a good joke too to talk about the stress that comes with going into a museum. What I like to, you go to free ones or you go to ones multiple times where you kind of know where to go and where to put your interest. Because it can be overwhelming, especially if you don't spend too much time at museums or you're not really good at processing art. But uh, I did the Mob Museum. Covers the classics. You know, touches on Bugsy. Siegel, phenomenal. That man's name was Mo Green. Um, Godfather, Goodfellas, Casino. Casino, Casino. The first time. It was called Goodfellas. Um, that's a David Spade joke from the Hollywood Minute when he did SNL back in the 90s. But all that history, right? It wasn't just about the movies. It was like facts and stuff. Um, you know, the bootlegging in Chicago. Um, Capone, Lucky Luciano, Mayor Lansky, all these guys, all the greats. And they have an FBI wing, which covers all the investigations into crime families and such. And right now they're finishing a wing on the drug cartels from Latin America. Uh, that will be incredible. It looks like it's so cool, and it's kind of got this Narcos feel to it. Narcos Mexico, Narcos, uh, the original Narcos uh, feel to it. Uh, and, of course, my favorite part of the museum was the basement, which is a speakeasy. It's a bar in, in, you know, in the tradition of uh, the old Prohibition days, um, 19-teens, 20s, 30s. And it's just funny that, uh, of course, it's in the basement, right? But it's a nice reward for all the hard work of looking at all the pictures and videos and descriptions. And, of course, you get down in the basement and spend just as much time having a cocktail or two as you did looking at history. So you're like, yeah, we've been here long enough. So what do you do? You go log in another hour and a half down at the bar. Like, we're so lazy. We can't even read about all the history that these people lived. Um, you know, it's like they lived it. We can't even it's just information overflow, you know, but anyway, it is a must. If you are around downtown Las Vegas, go to the mob museum, even if you're staying on the strip and need to get away from uh, all the high production stuff. But uh, I got to say coming away from it, you know, as, as being the age I am coming away from it, it is very depressing to think about all the death and murder over the years, gangsters and, and, and whatnot. Some people are born into it, right? This gang life. And they know no other way, and it's for survival. But but not all people are born into it. And for some, it, it was a life of shortcuts. They didn't have any other skill. They didn't want to get a job or develop a craft. You know, a little like comedians. Um, but comedy becomes a skill, you know. But it, it, I, I felt a little gross. I felt like I was – that's a good thing about The Irishman. You know, I, I, the movie The Irishman. I'm older now, so taking the side of the square where I lecture people not to get into crime. I don't know. But that's my main takeaway. That was my main takeaway from The Irishman. Scorsese and De Niro just nail that dark horribleness of later life hitman blues, that emptiness of what was it all for. It's a long movie. Uh, it's the only time an Irishman was crit criticized for being too long. You know what I'm saying? Um, but there is that gross feeling I was having, um, you know, walking away from that and walking through there and with that movie, which is good. I don't know. I, I think, you know, I've just glorified it in my head for so long. I mean, The Godfather is my favorite movie um so maybe that's why but uh 
God, uh, James Conn had a great quote about Coppola. He said, uh, he said the reason Godfather worked was because Franz Ford Coppola is a Mediterranean Italian. He's not necessarily a New York Italian. So he had, you know, beautiful art and, and, and the colors. He had all that behind um, the screenplay, you know, and the directing. But uh, I am told that downtown Las Vegas is making a comeback, which uh, I really did enjoy it more than any of the strip stuff. Uh, the strip, obviously, for tourists and people who are there for the, a short time or the first time with the glitz, which is fine. Um, but for a multiple visitor to Las Vegas, try downtown. Backstage Bar and Grill, Fremont Club, man, they're great. But uh, it's so interesting. You know, Vegas was originally a stopover for people from Salt Lake City to L.A. The train went through there, and it was a nice little get-off point in the early 1900s that really turned into something else. Man, that UNLV team of the early 90s, uh, is the best college basketball team I've ever seen. You know, let's get real here. If we're going to talk Vegas, they lost two games in two years. So good that it was scary, right? Like those, like those University of Miami football teams from the eighties and nineties, where you didn't have to be a fan. You may not even like them, but you had to watch, right? I remember when UNLV beat Duke by thirty in that national championship game in ninety, nineteen ninety. Um, my mom went to see my dad on a business trip. I think they were in Vegas for a night or something. But uh, I watched my little bro and little sis, and I was in high school, and John McKeon came over, and we went we went to Big O to go pizza down on Marguerite and Geronimo. I mean, these references, this is this podcast is going to attract millions of people. Once I'm mentioning Big O to go pizza on Marguerite and Geronimo next to Royal Donuts, and we got pizza for the kids. Kids. We're all kids. We're just four punks. Um, Big O to go used to put a lot of cheese on their pizzas. Remember that? And they'd wrap it in foil. I, there's something about it. It was just different enough, but it was really good. Still good. They had great sandwiches too, you know. They don't walk away from this podcast today thinking that Big O to go only did pizzas. All right. Uh, they did the sandwiches too that I loved, man. I loved the wrapping. They just were wrapped really well. They were easy to eat, get your hands around and stuff. But that game was over by the first half, man. Moses Scurry of UNLV. How about Moses Scary? You know, replace that U with an A. That guy was a beast. But the next year, Duke upset UNLV in the Final Four. And I think, yeah, we were in Vegas for that, for sure. Um, but uh, some exciting some exciting uh, times. I don't know why I have this thing written here. Bad Boys wasn't everything the Pistons were. What the hell's that got to do with anything? Um, oh, oh, because, yeah, don't label Big O to go pizza. Just because they have the pizza in there, don't discount the sandwiches. You know? Um, like the bad boys, everything Pistons, they were more than the bad boys. I hated that label. Um, they were good. It just, it wasn't just the bad boy stuff. Um, you know, I talked last episode about differentiating between Christ and Catholicism, um, Christ and Christianity, Christian and American anti-war versus anti-troop Zionism as opposed to Judaism. Well, Pistons and bad boy, that image, that's part of that. All right. Big O to go pizza has that. It could it could have been called big O to go sandwiches. They're good, okay? Could have just as well been called that. So temper, all things. Uh, Tarkanian was amazing. He was the coach of those UNLV teams. Um, everything fit, man. He had that uh, that team fit, that city, that image, that style of basketball. Larry Johnson, Johnson was just incredible from Dallas, Texas, and uh, beautiful man, beautiful career. Uh, so overall, Vegas, great trip. I don't know how the hell we got on UNLV basketball, um, but it was a great trip. Got to know Ahmed a little bit and Monterey. For the, I'd met Monterey first once when we did a recording, uh, doing some VO for Steve's movie. Um, but uh, got to know Ahmed a little bit, which is cool. We've known each other a long time, but we never really spent time 
uh, with each other and you spend time with people and it's good. You remove those layers of social formality and unrealistic expectations and image-driven crap and you get to what's real. And it's a constant battle. We all have to do it every day in our lives. It's just like, remember that this person or remember that these people, there's stuff behind them, you know? And and as comics, man, we're always on the scene and trying to promote our stuff and do stuff. And uh, so it was good to get to know uh, people. Um, funny, man. Funny and charismatic. So much unearthing of past crimes by male comics. That's what's going on this week. That was a topic of discussion by us this weekend, the comics. So much unearthing of past crimes by male comedians, mostly white. Um, abusing women, abusing women comics. Um sexually and um you know verbally through words through texting stuff like that using power using it as a power play on women comics um some of that stuff i don't think that i've done anything bad in the past jesus what a beautiful what am i yeah i'll see it nuremberg um i definitely don't share thoughts feelings and emotions with women if you could get me too for that for the things you don't do i'd be bill cosby i think i used that joke a while back but that would be me Meskeen, uh, it was your fifth anniversary with your wife, and uh, the court is fining you on 900,000 counts of neglect and not sharing your feelings. Um, but, uh, yeah, just scary with the, with the guys and girls. You know, a very male-dominated dominated, uh, part of the biz. So I'm going to try to be as honest and helpful as possible. With my nieces, when they come of age, I have three of them. Um Part of the problem with success, I would think, I wouldn't know, but uh, like, you know, on-camera success, notoriety, is your behavior gets past your own conscience and past the consciences of others. Like money, success, notoriety is used to cover up some atrocious behavior. And uh, it, it just makes it all for naught. It's like you do these great things and then uh, you slip up, you do something stupid like that. And it just ruins everything, man. So be a human being. Uh, I don't think I've been complicit in anything. I've, I've raked my brain, racked, raked through my history to try to find. I'm like, was I a part of any cover-ups or anything? But I ha I've just never been around that much success where uh, I felt I could get away with that. Maybe that's a blessing. Um, but again, I have definitely done my share of neglect and half-truths um, to uh, past women friends and relations um my buddy josh and i joke about a turned cheek when a girl turns her, when you try to kiss a girl and she turns her cheek and you kiss a cheek instead of her lips that's all i ever needed to, to stop any any advances and 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 it's not like that happened more than once or twice max like that was just i don't know if i've talked about this but that was just enough to be like i am sorry i'm apologize i'm sorry for being born that never ever should have happened i misread all that i'm a moron that's as far as it ever got um with me so uh boy aren't i isn't that some nice virtue signaling you know aren't i a sweetheart um just just a prince um so yeah very fun very fun weekend and i hope to work with those guys again more um on these tours it's so hard to know uh how to balance like do you still do shows do you wear the mask do you how close can you sit to people but uh it's a good time steve's got a good following there and uh and gary those guys man I, I need to wear a referee outfit um when i'm with them um 
James Romero was the guy. He's a good friend of Steve's. He's a great guy. He hosted us uh, Thursday night. He made those burgers, man, and he's got a great collection of uh, bourbons and whiskeys and uh, all kinds of stuff. And we had a great time, and he played a little uh, guitar for us with his lady, and they were good. Um, So it was a good weekend. Okay, what else here really quick? Um, We've got about five minutes left. Good episode, good episode. Good pacing, maybe a little too much, but I wanted to get a lot in. Uh, It was Father's Day today and uh you know it, I, I lost my dad about uh it's, jesus next month it'll be 13 years and that flies but uh you know it's sad he, he died at 59 and that's brutal and uh you know things come and go and you never fully get over it but uh i i it's just I, I wasn't too sad today i was just like so i called my mom we talked but I am so lucky. I posted a really cool photo of him. He didn't smoke or drink that much, but there's a great shot of him drinking a beer with a cigar in his mouth in like the 70s or 60s. I don't know if it's Detroit or Toledo, but he just looks good. He almost looks like Russian or Asian. He's squint. He's got you know that look of um, kind of Russian Mongolian look. Um, it's and with the blonde hair, it's kind of it's different. It's unique. <gasps> he said he looks Asian. Um, but uh, anyway, he. Uh, I, hey, I lived in Asia three years. I got made fun of. My eyes got made fun of when I lived there. So I can be racist now. Um, but no, I am uh, I'm so lucky with the dad I got. Um, I wish I would have seen that more during his time here on the planet. He's very gregarious. Not Craig Various, Greg Garius. <laughs> Not Craig Arius. There's a big, a lot of people confuse that. But he was a mountain of a man. Business, life, coaching, he taught. He was the candy man and the ice cream man. Who does that? He worked for M&M Mars at one time when I was really little. And then haagen as I got into college. It was unreal. Um, both helped with the ladies' man. You know? um, no, I'm kidding. We did have a party when we were kids. Uh, we had people over after a football game. No alcohol because we were just freshmen. Uh, I was just a freshman team. And it was parents and freshman kids, and out we just he unleashed the Starburst Skittles, and he because he was working in non-chocolate division. Then even though we had the Milky Ways and the um, in the uh, Milky Ways what was it Milky Way, Three Musketeers and Snickers and Starburst and Skittles, just unleashed it. Kids were eating that. I guess things got so crazy with kids on sugar, the cops came to break it up, and my dad's like, "Yeah, it's just it's just candy. We're not serving booze." And they're like, "Oh wow," because the neighbors complained. Um, definitely not the ways though. They would wouldn't care. They'd have come over. But um, must have been the other side down the street. I don't know. But uh, my dad ended up giving the cops a bunch of candy, and they're like, "Oh, cool, we're out, and we're white." So da 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 we're good to go. Um, but I wish I would have spent more time with him when he was living and working out of New York those two years when I was in college. Um, and you have all the regrets and the you know silly things trickling into your brain. But then you think, you know what? I'm happy with the time I got to have with him. He did a great job. He gave us everything, and everything he had was given to us. His work was done for us, um, and uh, it was tough, but he did. He gave us everything. He went to every one of our games that he could. He loved coming to my garbage comedy shows early on um, when they were like bringers, and it was just he, they had my, he and my mom had to sit through so many shows as, as a comic. All our parents have to do that. Or, or for loved ones. And he got to see me once on TV, and that was just a couple months before he died. So that was really special. My grandma got to see me on stage once in Toledo before she died, like two weeks, three weeks. And uh, he got to see me once on TV right before he died. It was my um, first time, late, late show on CBS. 
And my mom had to wake him up, of course. It was like 12.30, which, Jesus, if the show started at 12.30, then the comics go on at 1.25 p.m. Uh, and then they called me right after. And I was watching this show at the Coronet Bar on La Cienega, sitting with Danielle Stewart and Howard Kramer. And uh, I was sitting there, and we were talking and enjoying the set, enjoying it. Um, and I looked at my phone, and it read, Dad, and I remember Danielle and Howard looking at each other and just going, wow, that is a big call. And like it was just a beautiful, warm moment. You know, you're sitting there with two people that you love and respect and doing your set on TV. And like the dad calls, you're warm, you're feeling warm about that. He's excited as hell, you know. And, uh, and they recognized that. And uh, it was beautiful. And not too long ago after that, well, God, I mean, it would have been between performing on that and him passing. Uh, he was coming through L.A. And he's like, hey, let's have dinner um, someplace right off the 101, right? Because he's coming from, he was doing business North LA there. And so he wanted to do Michelli's or maybe I suggested it or something, the one in the Valley. And he, I meet him there. He was there early. So I came, I met him a few minutes later. And so I check in, I check in. Uh, the server is like, and I'm like, oh, I'm here to meet one other. You know, my dad, he's waiting for me. And she's like, oh, you were the one that was just on TV. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, that is so cute. Like, he was there earlier, and he was probably boring this um, server with the story of his son who was just on TV for the first time after, I think at that point I was in L.A. seven years doing stand-up and whatnot. But but it, was, it made me, it, I felt so good. It, it made me feel so warm that he had like, this poor girl's probably... Uh, you know, she's just hustling. She's probably, oh, you know, musician or actress or something as well. And she's just smiling, like kind of like, oh, I get it, the proud parents. And it was just really beautiful. And I just, I, it just warms my heart. I was thinking about it today that he was, um, you know, saying like, just boring this girl with like excitement about his son being on TV. Like, what, like, how did that go? Like, oh, yeah, is this table work, sir? Your son will meet you shortly. So there's a table for two, nice window. Yeah, yeah, you'll, you'll see him. He's, he was just on TV. And uh, he he did the Late Late Show, and it went really well, and he's going to get some management out of it and stuff. And uh, she's like, great, great. But no, she's great about it, too. So um, I, didn't piss, I didn't piss my pants. No, I didn't post this pick. His pick is this week's episode, because I don't know how much I like to do personal stuff with, the, with what's going online there. And I didn't know if I would, uh, how much I'd involve the Father's Day segment um, in this episode. But... Um, Hey, he loved trips to Vegas for my brother and his traveling basketball teams. So uh, there's the tie-in, right? There's the tie-in. So happy Father's Day to all you guys um, out there doing it. And it's a lot of trial and error, but uh, the time and attention, you know, you're doing a good job, I think, if you're doing that. You know, I know we have these dreams when our kids are born, teach them language, teach them good habits, all this stuff. At the end of the day, you're keeping them alive and hopefully providing for you and your and your wife uh, or lady or the mother of your children, you know, you're providing, which is huge. And you're spending time with those kids and whether it's languages or instruments or sports, it's, it's time, man. And it's sharing and, uh, it's trial and error and kids come of age where they go, Hey, I knew you were trying, you know, I knew you're trying. I maybe even at 10, even at five years old, I knew you weren't doing this thing right, but you were trying. And so uh, I was very lucky. My brothers and sister and I are very lucky to have the parents we had. So, um, that's it. That's it for this episode. Wow, it flies. I had a good time doing this. I hope people keep coming back. Uh, I'm really trying to be honest and open up more, and it's helping with the stand-up too. And I just see these comics now that sometimes their stand-up specials seem like TED Talks. 
And I was like, man, I got to get away from the joke writing and, and kind of balance it with some uh, openness and sharing and all that uh, stuff. So, um, yeah, gonna be in uh, gonna be uh, in Arizona this week with Steve Byrne and Ahmed at Copper Blues in Scottsdale. Well-run clubs, man. Arizona's always been a pretty good market. Uh, I think Carlin Swartz and Louis C.K. did specials there. Kind of liberal Republicans. I, I know it's conservative, but it's kind of Wild West as well. You know, people that came west there. Um, a little more open and explore. Like, it's not as conservative as, say, the South might be, you know. Um, not that that's bad either. I'm just trying to focus on the positive, you know. Let's all rise above all these labels and categories that, that were thrown into by whomever, news or, or whatever. Um, but anyway, we're there for three nights. Let me know if you want in. Casey Courier, he's a great guy. He books those clubs, just a fantastic dude. And Booker, he and Matt Coleman do an unbelievable job. Great peeps. They're on top of it. They care about good comedy. And I'll get to see my family, mother mother and brothers, and my brother's family is two kids, uh, driving out Wednesday or Thursday. Email, email me at patrickkeen at hotmail.com. Yes, hotmail, patrickkeen, K-E-A-N-E, Keen on Things podcast. Uh, and we'll do good stuff, guys. And... Um, yeah, thanks for listening and and subscribe so so you'll get notifications when uh when this all comes in. All right, um, we'll do tweets next week that I liked. I want to keep this quick. Tweets will take me another five minutes. I don't want this to slip into thirty five and forty. I love you. Thanks for listening, and uh, you know we're all in this together. <laughs>